Yeah, we've talked a lot about being intense and creative, and it's certainly not an easy way of life. Do you think being anxious and having anxiety is also an inevitable part of being a creative and intense human? I, I, I don't like to use the word inevitable, but I, it certainly seems to be uh, much more common with creative people. Um, certainly, it's been part of my own history to to feel high levels of anxiety at at times during my life. Welcome to Eggshell Transformations, a podcast for intense people. My name is Imi, and I'm here with you on a journey. In today's conversation, we will talk to Douglas Abbey. Douglas is the author of the Creative Mind series of sites, including Talents Development Resources, High Ability, Highly Sensitive and Creative, and many others. His resources provide information and inspiration to help enhance your inner growth and artistic expression as a creative person. I strongly encourage you to check out his sites. In this conversation, we will hear what Douglas did years ago when he could not find any information on high sensitivity and intensity. We will see what we can learn from actors who are emotionally intense. We will also answer the questions. Why sensitive people are more prone to depression, and why it might not be a bad thing. We explore what constitutes exceptional creativity and why gifted women have a hard time accepting their talents. I have intentionally not edited out all the little check-ins and check-outs and technological hiccups, so you will get a real feel for the conversation. Now to Douglas. Hello. Hello, is this Douglas? Yeah, it is. Hi, is it's Emmy. Emmy. Yes, it is Emmy. Hi, can you hear me? Okay. I can actually hear you. Okay. Thank you so much for getting on the call with me. Oh no! Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. This is a wonderful topic, obviously of wide interest to both of us. Yes. Yes, it really is.、Um, Yeah, you, you were,、um, you were a strong influence in the beginning of my path, and you still are. And I follow all your pages. I well, feel like, thanks. Yeah, I feel like I find my people in there. <laughs> Good. Yeah. A, a lot of people do respond to my pages、uh, on Facebook, so、mm. there is a wide audience for. People wanting to understand more about、uh, high ability and high intensity. Absolutely, yeah. I see you as one of the few pioneers who explore this intersection between creativity, sensitivity, high intensity, and I absolutely love all your websites and Facebook pages. Oh,、um, thanks. Yeah, you're、are、so pro. Yeah, go on. I I just was curious. Are you calling from London? I am calling from London. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> How does it sound? <laughs> it's it, it's、uh, occasionally choppy, but overall very good. 
Right. Okay. If it gets too choppy, let me know. Um, we okay. can switch to other platforms. Yeah. Isn't it amazing what technology could do for us? It is. <laughs> Where about are you? I'm in Southern California, Beverly yeah. Hills. Yeah. Oh, very different to London. Very. I lived in London for about a year and oh. liked a lot about it, but oh, it, it didn't, did, yeah, didn't, mm. didn't work out for me mm. in terms of getting employment. Yeah. How do you find the energy in London? Well, this was so many years ago, but mm. uh, as I recall, I, it, it was uh, well. The, the over there's an overused word, cosmopolitan, <laughs> and I think that definitely applies. I I can't. I lived in, uh, as I recall, it was Highgate, uh, so it's a kind of a suburb. But w when I visited sort of central London. I, I appreciated the, uh, well, just the overall energy of the mm. people. Yeah. I used to work in Highgate. Uh-huh. Mm. That's so cool. It's interesting how life intersects. It I am. Um, so let's talk more about um, what we're both interested in, which is high intensity. How did it all happen for you? How did you find this niche or niche um, where everything intersects? And I know you work with lots of sensitive artists, authors, and actors. So you don't just talk about sensitivity as a sort of mental health thing, but as something that is intertwined with our life. Right. Well, uh, first of all, I wanted to clarify that I'm, I'm not a... a, a counselor or a clinician. I'm really a writer-researcher. I've done many interviews with uh, actors, writers, and filmmakers, and some other artists. But um, overall, I, I, my uh, approach is as a, a more of a, a scholar and researcher. So, Anyway, given given that, um, I think one of the things that really got me going in all this was uh, an urge to better understand my own inner dynamics. Um, from mm. a very, very young age, I, I felt uh, a misfit like many creative people do, and also exceptionally uh, emotionally intense and reactive and mm. wondered what all that was about, which mm. is one of the reasons that um, that motivated me to pick a, a, the psychology, a, a major of psychology in college. And I pursued that for you know, throughout college and then into graduate school, but all, all the time being really fascinated with um, particularly uh, actors, what, how they did what they did, what, how did they uh, express such intense emotions 
on film or on screen and television. Yes. What you know, what was going on with them? So mm. that's that's an ongoing uh, passionate interest, part mm. of what what motivates me to keep developing my my collection of websites. Mm. And then yeah. I've I've have come across researchers like um, especially Elaine Aaron and mm. psychologist Julie Bieland, who specialize in uh, in high intensity, highly sensitive people, and they pr- provide a lot of uh, insight on what the the uh, highly sensitive person's psyche is. Uh, are you familiar with Julie Bieland? No, I was about to ask. I thought I have um, dabbled into all these <laughs> authors and researchers. You learn something new every day. I'll make a note well, of it. Yeah. Yes. Oops. She. I, I've uh, posted a number of, of uh, quotes and excerpts and links to her site on mm. my uh, Facebook page, Highly Sensitive, and also yes. my website, Highly Sensitive. So it's uh, J-U-L-I-E-B-J-E-L-L-A-N-D. Anyway, she's she's uh, a really articulate and thoughtful psychotherapist, author, and a highly sensitive person herself. So mm. has a lot to say about it. Right, yes, um, which I will ask a bit more later about um, women in the field and how they thrive. But going sure. back to your personal story, I would imagine there to be much even less awareness and resources and information years back. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, no. so you had no choice but to be on a quest to find answers for yourself. I, I think that's right. I, certainly when I was really young in grade school and uh, on into high school, which was decades ago, uh, I, I, I did not come across information uh, or books or uh, really any any information about what this this was high intensity high sensitivity so uh, part of of what uh, my experience has been early on is is again a feeling of being a misfit which uh, I understand from uh, psychologists like Julie Bieland and Sharon Barnes is another one who studies uh, gifted people Uh, this sense of being uh, quote too different and too much an outsider and uh, you know just just too much Mm. is is a common experience for creative and gifted people and and we're living through that without uh, an understanding of what's going on, I think is really uh, 
challenging and disrupting for many of us, probably That's most right. of us. Yes, not finding the right label or the identity. Um, most people assume that there's some kind of pathology or illness going on with them. That's why they're different and they don't fit in. Yes, exactly. Mm. And, and Yeah, go on. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 please go on. Um, I'll ask the next question later. Well, I, I, I like your reference to pathology. I, th I think that mm. uh, very early on for me, that that was uh, a label that I grabbed onto. Mm. You know, the sense that, well, if I'm feeling this weird and this different, and uh, and I, you know, read a bits and pieces of psychology from popular sources like Psychology Today magazine, mm. uh, I, I made judgments about myself and the few friends I had that, well, we must be wrong in a psychological mm. sense. We must have some kind of uh, neurosis or deeper pathology that makes us feel this strange and different and this much of an outsider. Mm. And, it's, and it's really taken years, I think, to understand uh, that's a distortion, that that, that isn't a very unhealthy self-concept. Mm, yeah, yeah. You did try and find answer in traditional psychology. I know you have an MA in psychology. Did right. you find much answers to these questions in, in the academic world? <laughs> Not really, no. Mm, neither uh, do I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, are, there are a few psychologists I look up to that, that have gone through traditional training that have broken out of of the I think the mindset of uh, uh, traditional academic psychology such as uh, Eric Maisel and Scott Barry Kaufman if you're familiar with I will be with talking that. to yeah I will actually be talking to Eric Maisel on the future oh, good. date yeah, right. yeah. Very well, impressed with very prolific work. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and uh, I've really been uh, impressed and intrigued with a lot of his writing on mm. reframing uh, mental, emotional experiences like depression. You know, yeah. re reframing depression as as something other than uh, a DSM pathology. Yes. How do you, mm, what do you think depression is in your own experience with yourself and people that you see in, in your research? Why mm. do intense people get depressed? Well, that's a big question. It is. <laughs> and I haven't prepared <laughs> you for this. I just throw it out. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, I think part of it is awareness, just yeah. uh, a, sen uh, 
uh, a personality and and a psyche that is simply very exceptionally aware of mm. what's going on both internally and out there in the world and there's so much out there especially in the world these days that that is disconcerting and disheartening and uh, you know like the immigrant crisis just to take one small example uh, being aware of what's going on at at our border with uh, immigrants trying to escape violence in their countries and and the treatment they're receiving at the hands of our government i mean that's that's very um painful yes. and hard to um accept or understand or not get involved with in some way so it, it all, I think, interrelates with uh, emotional intensity mm. and and overexcitability, to use mm. Uh, mm. Kazimir Dabrowski's idea. Yes, life-changing the, work. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So I, I, I don't, well, I've had levels of depression most of my life and been, diagnosed and treated by traditional uh, psychiatrists occasionally. Mm. Like mm. I, I saw a research psychiatrist mm. and, and took some antidepressant drugs, which helped for a while. Uh, this was decades ago, but uh, I, I think there is certainly value for some people in traditional treatment at least for a time to get get over uh, perhaps an acute incidence of depression but overall i think uh, i agree with you that traditional psychology and psychiatry is, is um misinformed yeah that's right um that's what i say to people when they come to me for advice um first of all i'm not medically trained i'm not a psychiatrist but i'm not against psychiatry i believe they have their place especially right. for a period of time you know something chemical and biological can be really helpful for a transitional period but i really yeah. like what you said yeah about our world today um you know people who are sensitive and highly empathic absorb so much but in the in a funny way, they, they are the healthy one. You know, it is healthy to be responding to depressive trauma in the world and in their lives with depression. It's a healthy organ, you know, it's, it's a healthy response. Hmm. So yeah, in a way, I, depression is a sign of health. I, I, I agree. I think uh, it, it is. And unfortunately, given... Uh, the, the many years of traditional psychology in, in 
the media that that when people get depressed, they immediately think, oh, there's something really wrong with me. I have to immediately see a doctor and get a pill to deal with it rather than uh, paying more attention to what's going on and and what their emotional response might uh, be indicating about them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good to have this chat and to just be with someone who is like-minded. And I understand now why you feel the community. Well, thank you very much. I, I agree. Um, just, just uh, you, you've brought up that idea of community a couple of times, and I, mm. I appreciate it. Uh, but also, I wanted to, to um, emphasize, perhaps, that that I'm really like a lot of uh, people who do this. A lot of writers, especially. I, I'm very um, isolated and reclusive. I, I, I love doing research and publishing material that I believe will help people better understand themselves. But mm. uh, I, I don't go out and meet people. I don't participate face-to-face in groups, which may be is a detriment, but it's it's the way I live. <laughs> Do you think it is what you have found to work after all these years of experimentations? Uh, yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> thinking back over the years, the, the jobs I took on tended to be ones where I could often be... Uh, working on my own for you know for example i i was a research assistant for a, a geneticist at caltech yes. and right. that allowed me to work in the lab on my own uh growing bread mold <laughs> which uh was uh actually quite a fun job and then i worked for a uh a research psychiatrist at the University of California, San Francisco, look, looking at brainwave differences. In, uh, so anyway, a number of jobs were like that. And, and on the other hand, a number of jobs just that I took on in order to um, get by, pay the rent, were sort of traditional office jobs, even some uh, customer service jobs many years ago. And they were very uh, anxiety producing. Yeah. Having to relate to other people in an office environment was just really destabilizing (laughs) Mm, yeah and we live in such a world that the myth or the centralized idea is that a healthy person needs to be in the crowd needs to be with others we need to have friends and family and for the for for those of us who are more aligned with a hermit's lifestyle i don't know if you have read walden by thoreau 
which was a big oh, influence in my path. Sure. Yeah, yeah. years ago. Yeah. I actually, I, I took a walk from Boston to Walden with a friend of mine <laughs> that I have a really wonderful memory of. Mm. We were walking sometimes at midnight, so it was really a unique experience to follow his footsteps. Yeah, yeah. And there are many forms of joy and meaning and ways of doing life that is outside of the conventional world. And yet, because most people have so little exposure to the alternatives, I feel like everyone is just being bullied into doing the mainstream things. And, yeah. Well, and what you're, what you're talking about, too, brings up... Uh, and I, in in my mind, the writings of Susan Cain, mm. ta talking about introversion. That's right. Uh, and she she has some wonderful comments about uh, introverts really being responsible for some of the most uh, significant creative works in history. Mm. Yes. Yes, that actually leads to my next question. Do you think there is a link between, well, in emotional intensity or sensitivity or strong intuition with creative genius, however you define creative genius? I, I think so. Uh, mm. I think it's, unfortunately, genius or creativity are both really broad and often over used labels mm -hmm. but uh, there are obviously creative people uh, first of all everyone has to be creative in life to some extent so we're really talking about people who are uh, exceptionally creative who really uh, engage in uh, uh, creative expression or scientific work that's that's of a high level <coughs> excuse me bless you um, but I think uh, one notion about this it was expressed by Elaine Aaron uh, something about highly and she thinks all highly sensitive people are creative and has talked about uh, high sensitivity involving the ability to uh, explore and understand our inner lives in a depth that non-sensitive people do not and also to um, understand put, put how different parts of uh, life, humanity, uh, human expression, how those different parts fit together and, and put, put different things together in uh, unique ways. So I, I think there's a lot of uh, validity to that. Yes. So I, I think uh, that goes along with 
emotional intensity. Mm. If you're if you're intense, you're uh, responding at a much higher level mm. to all the input coming in. That's right. So instead of just um, shunting aside or discounting or or discarding mm. uh, ideas and sensations and information, I think creative people pause enough to really pay attention. Yeah, they pause enough to pay attention or they have no choice but to feel and to have this huge reservoir of information coming in, which they right. can use to create. Exactly. Mm. You did mention creativity being an overused word, which I do agree. What would be what would be your definition of creativity if you have one? Um, I do, I don't really have one. I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I use it regularly, and uh, I certainly like referring to creative people yes. as uh, a class or, or a group of people who are actively involved in uh, creating artwork, acting, per- writing, performing, or uh, engaged in scientific work. Mm. But... but um, I, th- I think, well, I think it was uh, Elaine Aaron, again, brought up the idea of, of uh, creativity being putting two separate, unusual things together to come up with a new idea. I- I'm not quoting her. I'm, I'm paraphrasing very poorly. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that idea, putting unusual uh, ideas together to come mm. up with a new solution. I yes. think that's that kind of a good working uh, definition of creativity. I think you've just given creativity a good definition. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yes. Um, hmm. Let me think what I, where I would like to go next. Yeah, we've talked a lot about being intense and creative, and it's certainly not an easy way of life. Do you think being anxious and having anxiety, it's also an inevitable part of being a creative and intense human? I, I, I don't like to use the word inevitable, mm-hmm. but right. I, it certainly seems to be... Uh, much more common with creative people. Mm. Um, certainly, it's been part of my own history to to feel high levels of anxiety at, at times during my life. And uh, a number of psychologists, the ones uh, that I've mentioned, talk about creative people much more likely being uh, anxious. Um, Julie Bieland, the, the therapist, talked about high, <clears throat> the, the, the trait of high sensitivity mm. involving an overactivated amygdala, mm. th- which causes 
fight, flight, freeze. And, yes. and I, I think that's a good explanation. She yes. says uh, it, being highly sensitive tends to uh, involve overreaction and, and an over uh, increase in production of adrenaline. And and a number of, of uh, people that I, I've interviewed myself or read interviews of, like actors, um, have talked about how intensely responsive they are, at, mm. which shows up as crying, for example. Mm. Yes. Like uh, yes. Mandy Moore. Is, is one that comes to mind. The singer and actor has, mm. has talked about, uh, she said, I'm, I'm something like, I'm hypersensitive. I'll, I'll cry at anything, even a mm. commercial. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I can relate to that. I, I, often, I can imagine a lot of people do. That's right. Yeah. So that, yeah. that kind of uh, emotional reactivity can be become, I think, very easily become anxiety That's or right. involve anxiety. Mm. Mm. And a, a, another another person who has written about this, Paula Prober, uh, yes. the therapist. She's a good friend of mine. Yes, oh, well, good. good friend. We, we've, we've spoken online. <laughs> good, good. Yes. Well, She's talking, she's written about our active, our rainforest mind. That's right. Which Love is it. a wonderful metaphor. Mm. And, and she says, it's, it's uh, our rainforest mind is able to dream up so many things to worry about. <laughs> less complex minds worry less because yes. there isn't as much thinking. Mm. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's not, and it's not to dismiss uh, non-sensitive people or or non-creative people mm. as as being less, but but I think it's it's important, valuable, and and um, really helpful to mm. acknowledge that we who are creative and, and exceptionally uncommon have this kind of nervous system mm. that, that is, is more reactive and more vulnerable to anxiety. Yeah. And we need to work with it and find ways around it or to work with what we have rather than rejecting it and trying to be what we are not. Exactly. Mm. So, in your experience, what kind of trauma or maybe blockages do intense people have that stops them from fulfilling their full potential? At the beginning of your question, did you say trauma? Yeah, either trauma or mental blockages that block them. <clears throat> Right. Well, uh, trauma is a, is a, a topic that's fascinated me for years. Mm. Uh, I've, I've had a couple of minor experiences, like 
pretty much anybody does in life of trauma but mm. but a number of of really outstanding um artists actors especially have talked about uh, experiencing trauma in life like Halle Berry had a father who was alcoholic and physically and emotionally abusive and uh, struck her mother a number of times and Halle Berry has talked about growing up with a a really damaged sense of self-esteem. So I think that's one of the key uh, <clears throat> results of trauma, this uh, compromise of self-esteem. And, and that, of course, can lead to being uh, very uncertain about expressing yourself, uh, even feeling um, I- I- imposter feelings. So, so you, don't, you don't even get started on expressing creative ideas. And I, I think that's a really uh, important and key topic for a lot of creative people. So working through that trauma, whatever it takes, and it may may take seeing a traditional psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, I saw a, a wonderful psychologist for a, while, a couple of times in Beverly Hills who uses EMDR. If you yeah. remember that, yeah, yeah, it has come up. If, yeah, and that really helped me. Uh, defuse some Mm. of my feeling around a couple of my traumatic uh, life experiences Mm. when I when I was a child so so that's uh, um, but back to imposter feeling or or Mm. more generally self-esteem I think that is probably one of the really critical aspects of mm. being able to fully express yourself mm. create if you if you have an unhealthy sense of yourself if you're being overly critical if you're mm. listening to your inner critic too much of the time then yeah. you're not available yeah. to express yourself yeah, yeah. <sighs> Big question, but what would be some of the way out? How do we get through it? If we have an imposter syndrome or we're very harsh on ourselves or if we have really harsh inner critic? Well, <clears throat> a sort of simplistic, perhaps, answer mm. is is just getting more aware of it Uh, for years uh, looking to my own experience for years uh, I accepted my inner critical voice as something real you know like my almost like intuition Mm. 
like mm. it was it was saying something that I should pay attention to that that uh, knew more than I did rationally and that had uh, a judgment that that I was doing something wrong mm. that kind of thing and it, it took me really years of reading a lot of psychologists and um, well Eckhart Tolle even yes. talks about accepting in, in the sense of paying attention without judgment mm. and I think that enters into this so uh, <clears throat> there's certainly a number of other people who, who uh, talk about how to work with our inner critic like, like Tara mm. Tara Brock I don't know if you're yeah, yeah. radical acceptance her. yeah life changing yeah. work mm. yeah so and and a number of the artists especially actors that I've read uh, also talk about this and how they've, mm. they've learned to um some of them talk about they've learned to talk back. You know, they say things back to their inner critic, which I yeah. I find really both amusing and really helpful. I've mm. done that done that myself. Yeah, yeah. I do that too. I I say it out loud even <laughs> in my uh -huh. own house. <laughs> yeah. It's it yeah. can be really helpful. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for all the tips and strategies that you have gathered throughout all the years of research and personal experience. Oh, yes. Yes. And now, to make sure we have enough time, I definitely want to touch on um, something that we both have an interest in, which is the view of on women being in the creative field. I wrote an article on psychology today some time ago called The Non-Conforming Asian Women, obviously based on my own personal experience of being an ethnic woman. Um, but I also see similar struggles in others. I see specific challenges, cultural baggages faced especially by gifted women. In your work with people, do you think you've come across a similar phenomenon where people of a certain group may be gender, ethnicity, just have a harder time being intense and gifted? Well, another huge question. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But um, I, I, th I think the uh, just a label giftedness mm. brings, brings a lot of cultural baggage that is still um, carried by perhaps most people growing mm. up. Mm. I, I think it's really difficult for teen women, from what I've read, it's diffi really difficult for them to uh, embrace being uh, different from their peers mm. and, and being exceptionally intelligent or exceptionally intense or ex exceptionally uh, intelligent. Mm. So <clears throat> I think that that's an element of this. Yeah. Um, and, and definitely that 
relates to imposter syndrome, that there's a really uh, one of the the most curious aspects for me of imposter syndrome is it seems to show up in in the most uh, capable and gifted people, primarily mm. women, uh, more uh, commonplace to use a uh, one word, uh, most more commonplace people uh, do not seem to suffer imposter syndrome so much. It really takes people who are uh, unusually uh, capable with high abilities, mm. perhaps enough intelligence to know themselves deeply. Mm. Yeah. But um, the, lately, this whole uh, <clears throat> element of uh, hashtag Me Too in mm. the entertainment industry has brought up a lot of issues around how women have been treated for decades. In, in entertainment fields, especially uh, filmmaking in, in, uh, you know, mo in the motion picture industry and uh, other aspects of entertainment fields. And, and I think it's so important to um, keep opening that up and, and uh, um, for women to uh, embrace not giving in to patriarchy and patriarchal men saying you quote should behave a certain way um, I just read something in, in a magazine by <clears throat> uh, an interview with Miley Cyrus and and I, I personally, I, I sometimes have a hard time um, accepting her willingness to be so uh, openly sexual and and uh, wear such revealing clothes, etc. I mean, I'm. I'm I'm really concerned because of my age and other things, I suppose. I'm really conservative in a lot of ways. But my re my reactions to her um, brought up a lot of awareness that there are a lot of white men who who respond to young women expressing themselves like Miley Cyrus in ways that they don't agree with. And so they, um, they make it difficult for them to get jobs or they um, engage in uh, really offensive, abusive behavior, sexual abuse and otherwise. Mm. And... I'm, I'm not giving you a very coherent answer, I know, but 
I think all of this kind of mixes together. That's right. It's a complex issue. It's impossible to be coherent about something so complex. It is. Yeah. But yeah. I'm glad to see that it's opening up. Mm. And, yeah. And that that, that uh, women like Alyssa Milano are are really making their their voices heard. Yes. And and even uh, and you know bringing lawsuits against some of these uh, especially egregious men in the industry. Mm. Which is very inspiring and because of the nature of the industry, it definitely leads the world. And I can imagine a lot, well, not can imagine, I can see a lot of young women feeling more empowered by seeing people like them voicing out and overturning the dynamic that was right. previously imbalanced. Mm. Here is a kind of challenging question. Um, if you were to sum up all your work, all these years of work with, say, three messages, you can do one, but one to three messages, what, what might they be? <clears throat> well, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Um, I think acceptance comes to mind mm. as one of the most important ways to uh, engage with yourself and to release your talents more fully. It's it's something I I keep coming across in uh, creative people and throughout my life, a, a, a lack of acceptance about who and what we are often suppresses ourselves, suppresses what we can do with our uh, abilities and our talents. So it's, it's, um, it's not easy sometimes, it, like ex accepting your being unusually intelligent can be a, a real challenge if you're a teenage girl trying to fit in and you know have have friends in high school or college but if you find other friends equally intelligent then you don't need a lot of friends and and that um, self-acceptance about being uh, exceptional can really lead to you engaging with who you are. Yeah, yeah. And Accepting. that mm. that that goes along with. Uh, <clears throat> emotions as well uh, um, I, I think it's uh, uh, there, there's a number of psychologists that talk about how we respond to our emotions as being really critical for what we do with our talents and our creativity 
uh, Carla McLaren is, oh, is what comes to mind. Yes, emotion. Yeah, she's going to be my guest as well. It's, it's so <laughs> interesting how many overlaps there are. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, she's wonderful in, in uh, what I really love about her work. Um, what's her book called? I forgot what it's called exactly, but she laid out each and every single emotion, the language of emotions, and each of them yes, has their own right. language and meaning, and each of them is a messenger. Hmm. And that idea is, is so valuable, yes. messenger, yes. Not, not like even with depression. You know, if if you treat depression as a, a messenger, that something is amiss with your life or your social situation, that's very different than saying, "Oh, depression is a a disorder yeah. and a pathology and something that needs to be treated immediately." Absolutely. There's that Rumi quote, these pains you feel are messengers. Listen to them. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Mm. Okay, well, it's, it's, I found the chats to be really reassuring, reaffirming and inspiring. Um, yes. Oh, good. Me too. <laughs> Thank you. Well, here are some few final questions. Please share with us. I know we have, we have actually mentioned a lot of books. But I ask my guests, or you know, I ask all my guests this question. Please name one book that has changed your life. Well, uh, Elaine Aaron's "The Highly Sensitive Person" definitely is one of those. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I've only read parts of his books, but. Uh, Scott Barry Kaufman's book, uh, Wired to be Creative, Mm. uh, what what I've read Mm. of that is really valuable. And uh, likewise, pieces of Eric Maisel's books, uh, several Mm, of them. Yeah, he has a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, please share with us one quote, song, or poem um, for people who are emotionally intense, sensitive, gifted, and probably felt misunderstood and lonely all their lives. One quote. All right, well, here's one. Uh, This was uh, a, a quote by a science journalist Winifred Gallagher and who mm-hmm. was in turn quoted by author Susan Cain Gallagher said quote neither E equals MC squared nor paradise lost was dashed off by a party animal and Susan Cain goes on to say, without introverts, the world would be devoid of the theory of gravity, the theory of relativity. W.B. Yeats, The Second Coming, Chopin's Nocturnes, Proust's In Search of Lost Time, Peter Pan, etc. Mm. So. Oh. 
That's really powerful. Thank you. You're welcome. Without introverts or without intense people, the world wouldn't be what it is. Exactly. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel very inspired and I'm sure my listeners will too. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to talk to me and have this conversation. Oh, thank you, Andy. It was a pleasure. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. For more, please head to eggshelltransformations.com. There you will find more stories, articles and resources for people just like me and you. Bye now. Keep putting one foot in front of the other Moving forwards, never looking back Just one more foot in front of all those countless others And we're there